0: Go to CloudOptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's CloudOptimizer.com. The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, a.k.a. 5e, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER to 5e hemp and get 50% off that's the number five the letter e hemp.com <clears throat> Welcome back to another episode of the Over the Monster podcast. As is the case every week, it is me, your host, Matt Collins, and I am back with Brian Joyner, who is still not on vacation. He's not gone back. Brian, how you doing in the heat? Are you, uh, are you surviving? I
1: am, but I want to go back. Be nice and cool, I would imagine, if you're on an island. Cooler, at least. Surrounded Cooler. by the... The ocean breezes, such as they are, if they are, blowing that day.
0: I just booked a uh, Caribbean vacation for my girlfriend and I next winter, so I get that to look forward to. Although I'm not really trying to think about heat right now. But
1: yeah, those those vacations, those vacations are the best. I remember riding the subway in the winter, and they have the. It was always one island or caribbean nation that would buy out all the new york city subway cars and you just like they're taunting you they do it in february (laughs) do it in february it's intentional um so you will enjoy that but until then you are going to
0: roast alive yes and the main humidity i can't i can't really complain we are not uh we are not getting it as bad as the other portland across the country so I can complain a little but not not quite as bad as Matt Corey and the other Oregonians or whatever you call them. I don't think You think
1: Oregonians. Matt needs a reason to complain?
0: No, but I think he has one. Yes, he does.
1: <laughs> Two, if you count the leadoff spot.
0: <laughs> I think he is. We could find more than that, maybe Jaron Duran in there too. Uh but the Red Sox We'll see that transition there. Red Sox do not have much. Complain about it. the Red Sox have won four in a row. Uh, they since we've last spoken, they have swept the Yankees. Uh, they won the first game against the Royals on Monday. Uh, We are recording this Tuesday afternoon, so as we are speaking, the second game has not yet happened, Uh, so hopefully by the time you're listening to this, they have won five in a row, but we cannot make any promises. Uh, But Obviously, for the most part, things are good. As Brian noted before we started recording, the Red Sox are tied for their best record in the American League with the Astros. Um, Only the Giants, the surprising Giants, have a better record in all of baseball, so things are good, but we are going to start. And we're going to spend some time talking about one of the few negatives for the Red Sox right now. Because there is one one question kind of swirling over this team and swirling over this rotation. We got another peek at it on Monday. Uh, that would be Garrett Richards. Garrett Richards has been having a strange season. He got off to a terrible start. Turned it around in a big way. Um, then had pretty good results but not really looking as sharp for a little while and then his last four starts he's just totally cratered he's got a 9-1-8 ERA over that time nine strikeouts seven walks and 16 two-thirds it's it's been ugly and it's impossible to avoid the fact that it's also coincided pretty much perfectly with the league cracking down on pitchers using sticky stuff and Richards has been a big spin rate guy. That was part of the reason he was so appealing in the offseason, and obviously spin rate is at the center of the sticky stuff crackdown, and Richards has been seeing major drops in his spin rate. Um, He has not been very shy about talking about using this stuff, and um, he said he felt fortunate for being able to use it for so long. Clearly he needs to figure something out. He got lit up for the first few innings, first two innings against Kansas City. Gave up three home runs, five runs total in those two innings. Um, Did turn around a little bit after that, but um, hard to get past the overall line. Gave up five runs. Um, Did start to change up his repertoire a little bit moving on. Started using a sinker more, four seam less. Started using a new changeup. He broke out like a 60-something mile an hour curveball, which he has never thrown before to my knowledge. So he's trying to work on some things, but the results still weren't there. Where are you with Richards right now? Is it? Is it time to move on? Is the sticky stuff timing with his poor run enough to move on? Does, did those last few innings where he turned it around buy him more time? I mean, just generally, where are you right now with Garrett Richards?
1: I think the last few innings might have bought him a, a small amount of time also because I think they're just going on several schedules, one of which is Tanner Houks, one of which is Chris Sales. And I don't think that either of those guys, or especially not um, Sale, but I, I don't think that they're ready to put Hauk up in the rotation yet. So I think I don't even know if he bought the time. I think he already had the time, but I think he bought some goodwill within that time, um, at least to. And we'll get to this to make his next start. Uh, you know, it. He's con- you know he, he's confronting the problem. And he's definitely trying different things. He's not, as of yesterday, he's no longer fulfilling the uh, definition of insanity. Um, But I think, and we've talked about this with regard to the leadoff spot, if they just keep winning, the (sighs) impetus to make a drastic, not to make a change, because he's been so bad that I could see them making a change anyway, even though they've been winning, but to drastically speed up a timeline when i think that they're pretty close to the to to things coming into line i don't see happening do you disagree
0: no i think you're i think you're probably right um i don't know i'm having a little bit of a hard time after those first two two innings on monday i was pretty Vocal on the old Twitter machine um, saying it's probably time for Richards. Um, he looks like he's toast. And then he did turn it around. Um, and, I mean, you're right with Sale. He's obviously not ready. I think How could be ready if they needed him to just to throw, like, four innings or so for a first start if they really needed him to. But I guess I'm probably with you that Richards did buy a little more time. I'm more skeptical because... It's not like he was dominating. It's not like he just started like missing bats like crazy. He gave up a hit every inning, even after he sort of settled down. and gave up a couple in his last inning, um, and he was facing the Royals. I mean, this was not—he was not going up against the Astros or the Rays or the Yankees or whatever big offense. Oh wait, 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 wait,
1: wait! What was that third team? I know threw I threw there? the Yankees in
0: there, but the Yankees. Yeah, I don't think that's beyond. I mean, I don't know. They might. I think they could still hit. Uh, Garrett Richards though and I mean my point is the Royals are one of the weakest uh, hitting offenses in baseball and at Alberto Mondesi he hasn't really had a good year but he did kill the Red Sox the last time he's not playing because he's injured Andrew Penitenti's injured right now um, so I mean there are, I don't know that Richards having like three solid innings against a bad offense should be enough but I think you're probably right that it is enough
1: yeah I just think that it's not going to force their hand when the schedule has pretty much worked to this point. And they've let people work out of funks. Now I don't think they've gone on this long, but they let Martin Martin Perez do it. So I don't see an imminent change, but I do. um, And by that, I mean like by the time people hear this podcast unlike last week, where I was talking about how I thought Chris (laughs) Herman would come up over Connor Wong and that, half an hour after we recorded it, uh, was obsolete. So I don't think that'll happen again. But it's possible by this time next week, if he just gets pounded again, that that is not the case. Yeah, Especially so I think because the All-Star break is coming up, and that would be a natural time to
0: mess with things. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's where I was going to go. I mean, the All-Star break is just such a natural break in the schedule obviously it's called a break um so I mean that would be the time to do it and I think if Houck was fully healthy full I mean I think he's fully healthy but fully stretched out he only threw I think three innings he's made one start coming back from the IL he's only thrown three innings so I think that would probably make them a little hesitant to make that move um and with the all-star break I'm guessing he'll get at least one more start but I don't know that that's what I would do if I was in charge so I gave you I do five options to choose from for your preferred move with Richards. Use an opener in front of him next time out. Uh, Put him on a Phantom IL stint with Tanner Houck taking a spot. Put Richards in the bullpen with Tanner Houck coming up and taking a spot in the rotation. Uh, Holding off on any Richards decision until Chris Sale is getting ready to... Be ready to return, which I guess would probably be about a month ish from now, three to four weeks, Um, or just put it in a holding pattern for one start. Make him make a normal or let him make a normal start um, in Oakland this weekend. Which would you go with?
1: The last one. I think that he's going to let him start start in Oakland. Oakland, So yes, I think that that is. I don't think it matters what I say. I think that's definitely going to happen. But I think that uh, it's. It's to the point where you could consider it start to start.
0: Yeah, I think I think so too. I think I would. It's really hard, obviously, to make this determination without knowing the medical information with Tanner Hulk, and I mean even being able to interpret it, which I would not be able to. But um, I guess if they were worried about Hulk, maybe pushing himself a little bit harder in the majors or. Um, feeling pressure to let him go a little deeper than maybe they would in AAA and they are worried about the possibility of him getting hurt again I would probably stick with Richards but if they're if they were not worried about that I think I would put Richards on the injured list Um, I think there's a case to be made for letting him pitch in oakland certainly um, even beyond that just getting him back on the west coast maybe that would make him a little more comfortable give him a little more time to tinker with the he start using towards the latter half of that start on monday maybe that'll work out, but i just i really haven't had that much confidence in richards for most of this season um and this this recent run certainly isn't making me feel any better so i would like to see him just get a couple weeks off to clear his head like i said i don't see that happening but i think i would if Hauk was okay to make the start and if there wasn't any major concern about him suffering a setback or injuring himself again i would probably prefer tanner Hauk at the ball um in oakland than richards at this point you are the one who said you didn't like phantom dl stints
1: Look how i don't you've come
0: I know. I just had to see Garrett Richards give up three home runs to the Royals and two innings to uh, finally break me. I mean, I, did, I really don't like it, especially for Garrett Rich Somebody like Richards it's probably not great from that standpoint, a guy with an injury history putting him on the I.L., and I'm sure he probably wouldn't love it, but I don't know. I mean, it just seems like he needs a break, and he could probably use a rehab start in triple a and this is the way to get it to him um i guess you really can't do that without having him at least a little on board but in a fantasy world where i'm a like video game gm i think that's that's the move i would want to make
1: or fantasy world where you're a fantasy baseball gm same thing
0: i don't want to do that i purposely don't do that anymore
1: i'm aware (laughs) you left our league
0: (laughs) i know i feel okay about it um so i'm not gonna we're not gonna go through the whole process again we've we've ranked this rotation i don't know four times already this season i don't know how many of those actually episodes actually got released but we've done it a bunch um we don't have to go through one through five but i do kind of want to take a quick look at where richards lies in this rotation is he the clear fifth starter to you right now is he the guy who loses his job if tanner hulk forces his way on or chris sale comes back is he the number five guy in the rotation right now
1: of course I don't know how he
0: couldn't be. Yeah, I mean I guess if you just still don't believe in Martin Perez, which I still kind of don't believe in Martin Perez, but yeah, I mean Garrett is just without the I don't know. He needs to prove that he can pitch without this stuff. And maybe he can and maybe it is the narrative is getting a little overblown and it's just some poor coincidental timing on for him, but I mean, it just the pitches he was throwing in those first two innings yesterday on Monday were just garbage I mean they were sliders that aren't moving they were fastballs that really were just floating right into the middle of the zone and I mean just no bite to him that usually his fastball cuts a little they weren't doing it um he just doesn't look like a major league starter right now um does this performance from Richards does that make you feel they need to be any more aggressive on the Starting pitching market for the trade deadline, or is, are they still pretty much in a decent spot where obviously it would help to go look at somebody like a Max Scherzer or whatever other, other stars out there? But it's not as urgent as maybe we would have expected it to be.
1: I think the Scherzer thing is out, and I don't think that they are. Yeah, I don't. No, I don't think that name out though. I don't think that they're going to look to add a starter because I think that between Hauk and Sale, they have internal options and they cost... Internal options don't cost anything. So um, that's what I expect them to lean on. And they also have the... They have they have another internal option that we... Which is just a bullpen day that they haven't had to do, but their bullpen is very good. So they could do it if they needed to. So that's three internal options. I don't see them going after another starter.
0: Yeah, I think the bullpen is a good point because I mean we got so used to it last year it seems like every other day they were going with the bullpen day Um, and like you said they haven't done it I don't think they've done it once this year maybe they have done it once and that's it Um, and I mean they have guys they have Garrett Whitlock they have Matt Andrews guys who can go three innings if you really need to they have a Yaxel Rios who can go a couple innings uh, down in AAA they have Phillips Valdez who can go a couple innings so they do have guys who can throw those innings they also have connor siebold who's still not pitching um but i think they're expecting him to be back at some point this year so he could enter that mix as well i think i think you're probably right between how and sale that's probably enough death enough depth um for this rotation i do i do get a little worried and this is just sort of paranoid brain and it's just the way my mind works and I can't stop it but I do kind of have a bad feeling that as soon as they don't trade for anybody on August 1st they're just going to start losing starters one by one to injury um but I mean even a trade wouldn't really be able to fix that kind of that kind of issue so I do get a little worried with their depth especially not knowing where they are with Seabold. but unless you can get a, a Scherzer which like you said that's probably not going to happen the Nationals are turning things around um I don't really know that it's worth it to get another guy who might be like Nick Pavetta, or Martin Perez or somebody like that. So you're probably right uh, as frustrating as it is with Richards, they probably don't need to don't need to rush to make a move.
1: I don't think it has anything to do really with the Nats turning it around. I mean it has something to do with that. But I think it would entirely be from the Red Sox and the cost is just not going to I'm not saying that I agree with it, but I think that they probably look at it like the, the cost would not be worth um, Scherzer, even though our friend Craig, who we've mentioned on this show before, has a very good tweet about the value of adding Max Scherzer versus smarter <laughs> moves made by Rays-like franchises. Um, so, you know, I think that every team should try to add Max Scherzer, but I do not think the Red Sox will.
0: Yeah, that's probably a fair point. I mean, unless they suffered a couple injuries or some, something drastically changed from where they stand now. That's that's probably true. I, I do hope that they are willing to spend something at the deadline, but you're probably right that it wouldn't be starting pitching. It would be first or second base or bullpen or whatever, and it might not, be, not even be that. Um, Last thing with Garrett Richards, over or under four more starts for him this year. With the Red Sox, I'll go over. Go over. I'm gonna go under. I really have a bad feeling about this. Um, and some, I mean, somebody pointed this out to me on Twitter last night, um, Monday night, which I guess is fair that I and others were saying the same thing after his first few starts in April. And I mean, I've been saying all year that I think he's gonna end up back in the bullpen. Um, but I think this is different than April. In that, A, he was complaining a little bit, if I remember correctly, about cold weather then. He's now complaining about sweating, uh, which is a whole different thing. I guess that has to do with the sticky stuff. Um, But also, I mean, it's the innings. The innings have concerned me all year. He's up to 81 and two-thirds right now. That's the most he's thrown since 2015. I just, between the poor performance, the sticky stuff, and the fact that he just hasn't thrown this many innings, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes these last two starts before. I think he only has two more starts before the All-Star break. And then he's in the bullpen and Tanner hooks up. Um, like I said, I've been wrong about Richards a lot this year, but it just – this feels like the end of the road to me. It's just not going well.
1: Well, you said it yourself. On August 1st, all the other guys are going to get hurt, so then he'll go back
0: over four. <laughs> that's that's a fair point. I forgot to factor that part in, though. All right, let's move on a little from Garrett Richards. Um, move on to uh, get, let some me guys just, who l- –
1: let me just add one thing. I think it's possible yeah. if the scenario that you have outlined comes to pass, which I think is very possible. And the scenario that I outlined uh, comes to pass where he's needed to make starts. If he turns into a bullpen guy and comes back as a starter, that could end up. I mean, most Garrett Richards starts now are like a bullpen game. Anyway, it might be, <laughs> that might be the idea next time. Uh, if he has a second go round. So I, I think everything's up in the air.
0: No, I mean, that's fair. And I I'm, I made that point um, on Monday saying, I mean, people were a little concerned about Tanner Houck only being able to go like four innings. And I basically, I mean, the rebuttal to that is Garrett Richards is only going four innings if he's lucky. And he kind of made me look a little stupid because he ended up pitching it to the six. But I think the point does still hold. And maybe, I mean, maybe he goes in and that's the plan and they piggyback him with whitlock or something and he technically gets the starts i suppose i suppose anything's on the table and i mean maybe the new repertoire that we saw on monday actually does work but i'm not holding my breath he will get tested he will get tested this weekend in oakland because that lineup that lineup can hit a little bit and oakland is oakland is no joke all right now we can move on from richards um want to move on to the All-Star game. Um, everybody loves All-Star voting, of course. Who doesn't love All-Star voting? I actually did not realize that this is a multi-phase process. Um, I do not know if this is a new thing or if I just haven't really paid attention, but we are now in Phase 2 of All-Star voting. The Red Sox have four finalists, four starters for this year's team. Uh, J.D. Martinez at DH, Xander Bogarts at shortstop, Rafael Devers at third base, and Alex Verdugo in the outfield. uh, Devers and Bogarts were both leading their positions in the first phase. The tallies reset, I believe, for phase two, but they are still the two favorites. Do you think, A, do you think both of them make it? B, do you think either of Martinez or Verdugo make it as starters to start?
1: Uh, I need to pull up the voting. I mean, I, I'm getting the sense, you know, if the Red Sox are already one at the top on the uh, left side of the infield, well, hold on. Okay. Oh, yeah, I, I don't see as they're getting better, and the voting is uh, presumably picking up to some degree. I don't see them being dislodged. Um, Outfield, (laughs) my gosh, Byron Buxton is third. That's incredible.
0: Trout's first. Uh,
1: Yeah, so I mean Verdugo could, let me put it this way, Verdugo, (laughs) I don't think he would make it um, on the popularity contest uh, combined with stats the way that I think Xander and... Um, Devers are both I mean they're the biggest names at their positions in in the AL at this point Um, if you hit 110 mile per hour home runs off Garrett Cole these things tend to happen Um, Verdugo also I don't know how much this matters to people he's been you know he sits from time to time he doesn't play as much as but that means his counting stats are a little bit lower than other players. So I would not bet on Verdugo to be a starter. Uh, And JD Martinez better not make it as a
0: D8. He has no chance. I mean, yeah. JD has has no no chance. He
1: has no chance. And frankly, he doesn't deserve a chance. Um, No. It has nothing to do with him. He's playing fine. Otani is putting up one of these seasons we will talk about forever.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is going to be one of the most memorable individual seasons of my entire life. It um, already is! It already is. Right. It already is, but I mean, by the time it's done, it's going to be, like you said, I mean, this is one that we remember forever. This is, I mean, he's not, I guess, technically breaking records in the way that Bonds had some of those seasons when I was a kid in the mid-2000s, but it's it's a similar feeling and it's the similar staying power the same way that we talk about the year Bonds had an OBP over 500 or all those seasons, and obviously the seventy-three homers, and oh, this season's going to be talked about that way. And Martinez, I mean, it sucks that he's part of it, I guess. And he, I don't know that he really gets. I don't think he's going to be too upset about it, but um, yeah, he has no chance to start. I think, I think it probably will be only Bogarts and Devers, like you said. I mean, I think Verdugo gets a little bit of a help because Trout and Buxton may finish in the top three but they won't actually play. So they would move up. So I guess for Dugo only needs to finish in the top five, but he was eighth in the first round of voting. I don't know that he's really going to be able to jump up that high. So,
1: I mean, he uh, should, he shouldn't really, he shouldn't really, There, there are they're guys having better seasons than him. I mean, they're not on the red Sox, and the red Sox are obviously a very popular team, but they're based on just the stats. There are guys with better qualifications. Um, and then you get into the whole theory of like, do we want to, the way people vote, want to mix it up and not have, the, I'm sorry, people who aren't just stuffing the ballot box for their favorite team um, vote. And that's to actually look at the numbers and try to put someone in there. And I don't know. I just want to say, I think the Otani thing, it's not as, while it's not getting as much attention as Bonds for many reasons, Part of Bonds' attention was negative attention. This is yeah. like, this is the most, like, pure staying power achievement that you know when it's happening. I mean, because the whole thing with Bonds is, even if it was unspoken, it was, like, obvious that there was something. I I am a Bonds defender, and I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, he's the best player of all time. He should probably be in the Hall of Fame. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I th- don't think that's controversial. But this is, this is unlike anything you've seen since sport. Since the sport wasn't like fully professional, and the best athlete like Babe Ruth could just come in and do both, and it was still professional. This is like the you know this is as good as the players have ever been, ever been. And he could do both of these things better than anyone. It's, I don't know if it's more amazing than what Barry Bonds did, but I don't know if it's less amazing.
0: Yeah, I don't really have, I don't really know how to describe Otani. Because I think he's the best he's like the best player in baseball but also in another way he's not even the best player on his own team and i don't know the whole otani thing it's it's obviously been incredible to watch and the only like you said there haven't really been negatives the only negative is that his team is not good which shouldn't hurt him in anything It shouldn't hurt him in uh, mvp voting or all-star voting obviously but i mean he's Mention the negatives for Bonds. that would be the only negative that i've heard around otani and i don't think anybody's giving otani that blame but yeah i mean he's been it's been pretty un- unbelievable
1: what well, mvp i don't
0: MVP, really know how to describe it
1: mvp voting is one thing but all-star voting where the fans can vote he ain't never
0: gonna lose the all-star recording well what was interesting is he wasn't among he's not gonna lose the voting for sure he wasn't among the top five um in baseball which surprised me though. The top five were Vlad, Acuna, Sal Perez. Royals fans are insane. with Yes, yes, uh, also yes, yes, they are. So Perez was third. Trout was fourth. Tatis was fifth. So I mean, I guess it makes sense. But I was very surprised that Otani wasn't among that top five. All right, that's fair. Um, but so you mentioned um, going back to Verdugo. You did mention that none of the players who were better than him. Um, are on the Red Sox. I'm not sure that's true. And uh, I wrote a little bit about it today, Monday, or Tuesday, I should say. I don't even know what date it is. Hunter Renfro arguably having a better season than Verdugo. A little bit better offensively right now. He's got a 115 WRC plus to Verdugo's 110. Um, You can give Verdugo some bonus points for playing a little more. He has 40 more plate appearances. Um, But, I mean, I think that's pretty close. And Renfro is he's got a sneaky case for the all-star team. I don't think he ultimately will make it or should make it, but he's having a season, I think as good as Verdugo. And it's really not, I, it hasn't yet at least gotten the attention nationally. I I don't think.
1: Well, the problem here uh, for this specific thing, it, because the, you, the numbers are not at issue uh, is that it's the all-star game. And, Hunter Renfro does not move the needle I mean I think he would have to be he's been very good he would have to be great to like move the needle I think uh, when it comes to the all-star game and frankly if Verdugo hadn't hadn't been traded for Mookie Betts I don't think he'd be in the discussion either he's just a known quantity who's more or less at the top of an incredibly potent lineup um, so I don't dispute that Renfro's case in a bubble is stronger than Verdugo's. I just don't think Verdugo's case is that strong to start at least. I don't think Verdugo's case is all that strong to begin with. and Renfro has some hurdles that are hard to overcome when you're actually talking about like the national baseball landscape. I always thought and I wrote about this many years ago, people talk about. It. Daniel Nava in all-star like these discussions that get very internalized by fan bases like you you're not you're not recognizing player X Y and Z it's like well I can see why players Y and Z have a tougher time getting recognized because there's just a lot to cut through so for uh, the the point to me is not that Renfro will, will not make the all-star team it's just that he's been so good that it's uh, great for us
0: frankly Yeah, and I mean, I don't know, I guess when I was, I I guess I didn't say this, I guess when I was thinking about Renfro, I was thinking more of a reserve, um, if anything, which I don't even know how they do reserves anymore. These all-star rules have been, become so convoluted. It's like 33% coaches and like 12% players and like media gets, I don't know how it works, but I think Renfro has a better chance in that environment, I guess, than the coaches. But I, I mean, I ultimately still don't think he's gonna make it i guess but um i do think it is interesting in comparison with verdugo that they are all things equal they're having basically the same season
1: they really should at all-star weekend introduce a game where you're throwing guys out on third base from right field then renfro would make it
0: renfro would be there um i don't think any team would let their player do it but that would be fun I'd let Hunter Renfro do it. Yeah, you go out
1: there and show off that python, baby.
0: I think they'd just be afraid of somebody like th- th- overthrowing and like popping a shoulder, throwing out their elbow or something.
1: Um, We're afraid of everything that happens all Star Weekend. Lean into it, baby. <laughs> I,
0: I, I would be all for it. I just, I don't think, especially the Red Sox would. Robert um, Robert
1: at Ed, Robert Edwards would have something to say about that
0: robert edwards oh Oh, is that the guy football player the the patriots Patriots. running
1: back who after his rookie season they were doing like a flag football game on the beach and he just like his knee and that was it It yeah that was
0: his career i think that was a little before my time but i do i do remember hearing about that i just want to make you feel old for a second oh i don't
1: need your help
0: (laughs) uh sticking with renfro so i mean renfro has been Cora said he's one of their best players and he, he has been i think if we're this lineup has been sort of two groups all season it's been the core guys who have been great and then the rest of the lineup who have been inconsistent at best i think renfro's pretty clearly joined the former group it's now a group of five with Verdugo, martinez bogarts um and himself and endeavors i think i forget to say endeavors um is it worth talking extension with Renfro? Renfro is 29. He's got a couple more years of arbitration left. Would you just ride that out? Or you would is this performance enough to think you might want to lock him up a little bit longer term?
1: I think that he... I don't think that he is the type of player that they're going to look to, to, to sign up longer term. I mean, I think the whole point is to exploit... <laughs> exploit this right here um, exploit this value right here and then cross that bridge. When you come to it, I do think he's probably playing the max of his abilities right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think I agree. He's been, he's been a streaky hitter over his whole career. And I don't, I don't know that he's ever, maybe he has. I can't honestly say I've followed the career of Hunter Renfro super closely, but I don't know that he's ever played this well. But at the same time, he's going to be 30 next season. Like I said, he's got two more beers. He becomes a free agent after 2023. Um, I mean, looking at it strictly from a front office perspective, it's probably not the best idea. To I mean, I guess maybe if you're looking for something to just give some cost uh, certainty for those two beers, and you just sign him for those two years and he becomes a free agent at the same time. I can see that, but I don't really know that it's the best idea to um lock somebody up and guarantee some money for somebody who will be what 32 33 um and buy out those free agency years based on a couple of hot months in a somewhat strange season um i do like hunter renfro he's been much better defensively than i thought he was going to be he's made much more contact than i thought he would um I'm totally ready to crow on my preseason thoughts on Hunter Renfro, but not to the, not to the extent where I would extend him, especially with Jaron Duran coming up. And presumably the plan is for that him and for Dugo to make up two thirds of the outfield. I don't know that you need to lock up the third guy right now.
1: Yeah. And I think that the, the answer is that what will they do after the R years? And it's just, they'll just go find the the, the next Hunter Renfro and, Ultimately, you don't need to have the entire outfield locked down at the same time. We've had that, and then we let them all go at the same time. So, yes. uh, so uh, maybe a little staggered
0: situation might help them. I don't know. Yeah, I don't need to get hurt again so soon. I don't need to buy into an outfield sticking together for a long time, only to have it ripped away from me. So, I think it's a good idea. Honestly, I wouldn't. It's too early to, for me to put too too much thought into this. It wouldn't be super surprising if he was a trade candidate this winter um, with Duran and depending on how they feel about Cordero. I mean, it's it's something to consider, but it's obviously too early for that. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the, the play is to just let things go as they are and hope this hot streak continues and take it from there. Um, I think the bullpen has been not getting enough credit, which is weird because I think they've gotten a lot of credit, but I think the bullpen has been, especially over the last few weeks, has just been incredible. The rotation kind of taking a little bit of a dive and being more inconsistent. The bullpen has kept them in a lot of games to come back, and they really have a core right now of six guys who Cora trusts. Uh, Matt Barnes, Adam Modavino, Garrett Whitlock, uh, Hirokazu, Sawamura, Josh Taylor, and Darwinson Hernandez are all kind of rotating in and out of these big situations and coming through pretty much every time um of that six who who do you trust the most and who are you most worried about falling back to earth
1: i mean i think at this point um i trust barnes the most he's i think he's done enough um in the necessarily hardest spot that he's earned it i know we talk about closers and saves not meaning things but that's just not i don't know if we even say that anymore because i just don't think it's true certainly psychologically it's not true um i would say darwin's and just scares me that control and uh
0: these are nitpicks with the way these guys have been pitching though yeah i mean i think that's fair and yeah i it I wanted to come up with somebody other than Barnes just to have a different answer, but I think that would be disingenuous, especially coming from me. Um, Barnes has just been great all year, and it seems like his M.O. in the past has always been, he'll be great for a few months, and then he'll have a bad outing, and then that will just spiral, and it will go six weeks where you can't use him, and it just like totally ruins his line and ruins the perception of him, and... He's had a couple bad outings this year, and he's been able to come right back and look strong the next time out, which I, to me is the biggest indicator of how different he is this year. So I do feel very secure with him in the ninth inning moving forward. I do feel pretty secure with pretty much all these guys, and I think Darwinson is a good choice for the guy to fall back to earth just based on his control. Um, but just to change it up a little, I am a little mildly concerned about garrett whitlock in the second half and not really because of anything he's done because he's passed basically every test and he's changed things up on the fly he's made some adjustments when he's needed to the stuff looks really good um the package is all there the only thing that concerns me is if they start to feel a little more pressure as the season goes on to use him a little more often they've been very disciplined about spacing out his outings he's coming off tommy john he hasn't pitched since 2019 this is a new role he's jumping up from double a all that stuff there's all reasons for them to be cautious and they have been but i wonder if the race is still tight and i would assume it will be as we get into mid-august in the final six weeks of the season and they start to lean on him a little more i am a little worried about him breaking down but um i guess if that is my actual biggest worry of the top six in the bullpen that's that's probably a pretty good group
1: we've come a long way from the beginning of the year um, when it was Barnes and cross your fingers um, yeah it's, re- it's really it's really good to see it doesn't I still don't think it precludes them from trying to get another guy I mean if the Rays and I think we got to take our cues from the Rays to some degree if they've shown anything if they are never hesitant to just go get another reliever that they think can help them. Um, but we, we shall, we shall see. I, I'm, I love the way, I love the way things are going right now, which is again, why I said that if Richards becomes so bad, they can't use him and is isn't ready to go more than four innings or something like that. Um, that a bullpen day. I mean, I think this seems like why they have Andres and they've just been holding him the whole time in case they need to use him for, uh, like, five innings one day, and it just never seems to happen. But people who want to DFA get rid of him, I think, are... He's, a, he's the break glass in case of emergency guy. Um, and you want that in your building. and You know, it's part of the fire code. So, uh, yeah. That's it. That's what I have to say about the bullpen.
0: <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think that's right. And I, we've talked about it. I do think that they should add another guy and another piece of this um i don't know how soon he's going to be ready i certainly don't know what i'm expecting but ryan brazier should be back in the building at some point and brazier is a little bit i felt he was a little bit of an underrated player coming into spring training obviously he's never really gotten off the ground this season between he's had some personal issues a few different injuries um it's hard for me to have the same expectations right now as i did maybe in february but two of the last three seasons he's been very good there's a chance they add another guy there um but to your point about injuries i think for me my issue with injuries is more that i don't know that i want to use a 40-man spot on a guy that can do that when i can just have i don't know Seabold or hulk or somebody else there if i really need that especially with the trade deadline coming up they're gonna to have to make some 40-man decisions i would probably sooner go with somebody like Yaxel Rios or somebody to DFA, but I kind of get where people are coming from with injuries. Um, Well, for Brazier... What else did I want
1: to say? For Brazier, Brazier, you you have to figure that January 6th was pretty hard, so he's got to get over that. Um, And then he's going (laughs) to come back and, uh, you know, he's been good at times. I do think that what you were saying about Andres with regard i'm just gonna keep going um with Andres, um i think you're right though i just think that siebold and Hauk haven't been ready um and that they could be uh that guys but i do think brazier would be a, a good addition Politics yeah i am i am interested with brazier and i do
0: yeah well <laughs> i i think that goes without saying for pretty much at least half this roster um and to the point about trading for somebody, I mean, like we were talking, we were talking about the rotation earlier, and we kind of agreed that they probably didn't need to make a major move with the rotation. And we've mentioned this before: if you're not going to make a major move in the rotation, you might as well use like sixty percent of what it would take to make that move and make a big addition in the bullpen. There's always room. And the Ray- the Rays ML hasn't necessarily been going out to get the most talented, uh, most coveted reliever on the market, but. I think that's where you can differentiate yourself from them. You can have similar philosophies in terms of the type of players you want to target and you can actually go out and get the best versions of them rather than hoping that um, the lesser versions work out, which to Tampa's credit, they generally do for them. But I don't think the Red Sox have earned the same goodwill with their pitching development, even with the way the season has gone.
1: Yeah. I mean, they see something like JP FireEisen has a – Huge oh, vertical drape uh, drop on his curveball, and they go get him early, way before other people are trading for things. Because you know, this is sort of how they have to operate. And the Red Sox don't have to operate that way.
0: I would probably argue the Rays don't have to either, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, so in college baseball news the college world series could be over as soon as tonight uh, by the time you listen to this vanderbilt may have already won the championship um which is something that we care about because vanderbilt has two of the more well-known prospects in the draft including one guy who has been connected to the red sox many many times uh that would be jack lighter son of al is lighter your top target for the red sox in the draft i don't know i honestly don't know how much draft Um, stuff you read but I know you like prospects so I figured throw that out there
1: I do I think that um, the two highest profile people in the draft even if they've even if their stock has fallen relative to the number one overall spot a little bit um, in Leiter and Kumar Rocker it's hard not to be excited about potentially having Jack Leiter on the team he looks very good his dad was very good his dad's a good announcer too um, it would be you know it would be wonderful <laughs> it would be great and look at look at how this ro- rotation is strung together right now and it's not uh, anybody the Sox have drafted right it's all it's all guys they've signed or traded for um, but you'd suspect that First of all, there are names coming up. There's Seabold, Hauk, and Mata uh, next year. You'd think that they, because it's cheaper, would want to um, start filling the roles from within. And while Lighter wouldn't be as cheap as other draft picks, uh, this is where you can get the best players in baseball. Uh, it, I think, you know, I trust Bloom as, in the draft as, much as I trust him in any department. Um, and I don't think we need to read much into the gambit they pulled with Nick York and Blaze Jordan last year. I don't think it applies to this year. Um, as you know, they have a much higher pick. They're picking um, among the cream of the crop. And lighter would be, there's nothing to complain about if they get him
0: yeah i mean the impression that has sort of been going around and fangrouse uh kind of put it out in the open a couple weeks ago um the red sox want jack Leiter. jack Leiter seemingly wants to go to the red sox fangrouse was reporting that um he was kind of raising his bonus demands to the first three teams in the drafts hoping that they um decide get a little scared and decide to um, pass on him and let him fall to number four i'm not so sure it's going to happen but i am pretty much a 100 percent sure that if later's there at four the red sox will take him my only concern with lighter really has nothing to do with the right with uh the pitcher and has everything to do with the red sox and their history of developing pitchers there is a part of me that is concerned about having a pick this high this is the highest they've picked in like 50 something years at number four Um, and picking a pitcher and just not being able to develop him, that does scare me a little, and I do have some fondness for the two big high school shortstops, Marcella Meyer and Jordan Lawler. I certainly wouldn't be mad at that, but um, if Leiter was there, like I said, if he's there, the Red Sox will almost certainly take him. I will be as excited as anybody, and I think it will be the, the big test for Bloom's new regime and it's not necessarily all in bloom but just the philosophy of how he might change pitching development and whether or not the red sox problems over the last 10 15 years has been development or just being bad at identifying talent um i think we will start to get some answers to that question if they do pick lighter and i'm excited as excited as i am to just see lighter potentially pitch in the red sox organization i am also excited to get those answers but um I'd probably still prefer one of those shortstops, but Lighter would be right there with it, and I would not be complaining.
1: I can see that. I mean, I'm looking at the draft order. The Tigers pick third. I find it hard to believe the Tigers are going to pick one of the pitchers. Um, Now, that doesn't mean that just based on like young pitching does not seem to be their problem. They seem to be pretty loaded with young pitching. Now, you can always have more. And that just leaves the Pirates and the Rangers. Now, the Rangers should never pick pitchers under any circumstance. They're always going to be bad for the Rangers. doesn't matter who you pick. They're going to be bad. Um, Which leaves the Pirates at one. I mean, Pirates will screw anything up. So, yeah, lighter to the Sox. Put it down. Um, And if not, then they can take Kumar Rocker or one of the short side. The thing is, they're all good options.
0: Uh, when you're picking four. Yeah, I mean when you're picking at four, you're gonna have you're gonna have good options. And there were some whispers months ago um, that they might look to go under slot and save some money for a later pick. I don't I don't think that's gonna happen at this point. Um we did have a Jack Leiter question, I guess we can get to right now before we finish up a couple things. Um Alan Chang asks if you think that Leiter's draft stock uh fell at all after Monday's so-so performance um, against Mississippi State I will say I have a little bit of a problem with uh, calling this a so-so performance I thought it was pretty solid six innings two runs three hits three walks eight strikeouts that's not it's a little better than so-so I think on the biggest stage in college baseball but um, I don't I don't really think that would hurt a stock to you no I do not think it will hurt a stock all right, let's move on from the draft. Just a couple more things before we finish out, and I can go back to a room with air conditioning. Um, are the Yankees toast? Are they done For in the division?
1: I won't or say it. Or just generally? I won't, I won't say it, but I'm thinking it. <laughs> I'm. Let me just say. I'm going to say I'm, I'm loving every day. Let's just put it that way.
0: <laughs> I am, too. Probably not as much as you because you're in New York, but I am, too. Um yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled themselves back in the race and they get at least a wild card bid, but I I, I think this is too big of a hole. They're seven and a half games back, and there's three teams ahead of them in the division. Fangrabs gives them a 12% chance. I'm going to say it. They're toast in the division. Like I said, they can still make the playoffs, but as far as the AAL East goes, put a fork in them to me.
1: All right, I'll do it. My Hey, Matt said I should. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. I said it. D- I'm giving you I'm not, permission. I'm going down to the stadium right after this.
0: <laughs> Thank you. Please don't get arrested. All right. Uh, so last thing, halfway point of the season is Wednesday. Today, when you're listening to this, is the exact middle game of the season, game number 81. Uh, so let's – quick awards for the first half. I think these are all pretty simple, but – see if we're on the same page and then uh the second half we'll do some predictions as well um first half MVP Xander yes I agree although Devers has a case I'll go Xander yeah somewhat close one uh pitcher
1: I mean I want to say Barnes
0: I want to say Barnes damn he took my answer I think it is Barnes Um, I mean, I think there's a case for Rivaldi, certainly, but I don't think he's been consistent enough. And Barnes, he's been doing it all season. Like like I said, there's been a couple of bad outings here and there. That's going to happen to every reliever, but he's been so consistent. So I think that is the right call. I was a little upset that you just said that.
1: I'm going to get the next one, too. Ruining my plan. I'm going to get the next
0: one, too, so. For biggest surprise? Yes. It's Pavetta. Pavetta. Hmm. That is a good one. Are you going to say Renfro? I was debating between Renfro and Whitlock, and I thought you might say one, so I was going to say the other one. Um, I'm going to say Whitlock because my general assumption for any Rule 5 pick is that they're not going to stick with the team. And he's not only stuck with the team. He's arguably their second-best reliever right now, Um, and he certainly – in the top six and if he's part of the core of their bullpen. So, I mean, Pavetta is a good pick. I, I guess he hasn't been quite as consistent to me as Renfro, at least for the last two months. And then Whitlock all season, but I mean, they've had a lot of surprises, which is how you surprise your way to the top of a competitive division.
1: You just maligned Whitlock. And now you praise him. Make up your mind. (laughs) I maligned him.
0: I don't think I maligned him. Please Whitlock family. Know that I did not malign your son all right second half predictions uh mvp xander probably the same one yeah um this one i'm interested to hear what you think best pitcher for the second half i'll say Evaldi. i'm tempted to say chris sale but i don't think he's going to come back soon enough um I'm going to say Eduardo Rodriguez. I think he's looked a little bit better lately, and he always seems like he should have been doing better than he had been doing. I think he just needed a little confidence under his belt. I, I'm going to predict Rodriguez goes on a big run, and so he will be my answer for the other question too, which would be uh, the biggest turnaround for the first half.
1: I love that answer so much. See, now you got revenge on me. <laughs> Um, the biggest turnaround from the first half. Yeah, it has to be Erod. I mean, I'd, I'd love to pick a different answer. I mean, the, the, the cheating one would be to say that the, uh, the leadoff spot will turn good, but that's just planning on, uh,
0: Duran taking it, which he might not, which
1: he might not. So.
0: Well, um. so the last question I had, it was a bold prediction for the second half. I, mean, I didn't know if you were going to go there.
1: I mean, at this point, the bold prediction with Duran would be that he doesn't come up this year at all.
0: Ugh, that would be awful. It, but I that's really not the
1: type that, of but, bold prediction yeah. I want to wait. Here's my bold prediction. Garrett, Whitlock, uh, sorry, Garrett Richards, whether as a starter or a reliever, will be usable by the end of the year.
0: Okay. I don't know how bold most people will find that, but I think that that's not what I – think is gonna happen so I'll, i don't uh, think it's gonna happen that's why it's bold my bold prediction is that uh kike hernandez will be one of the five best hitters in the lineup for the second half so i'm not gonna say which of the current top five falls up behind kike but i'm gonna say one of them does at least one of them i think kike he's been swinging a better bat lately i think he's gonna get hot in the second half
1: i mean by that you mean it's renfro over Dugo, so you don't have to you don't have to
0: pick between jd jd hasn't been quite the same i don't know it's possible he's an old man in baseball terms but yeah probably renfro would be the easy choice but that's not as bold all right one last question from listener norm very important question here fruit loops or apple jacks I haven't had either of these in, like,
1: 25 years, at least. My memory is that I prefer Apple Jacks. However... Me too. However, if I ate a box, it wasn't like, oh, I need another box of Apple Jacks, because it's such a specific taste. Um, Fruit Loops are just sort (laughs) of... I'm going Why in
0: Fruit Loops when you can have fruity pebbles? Would be my question. Definitely prefer the fruity pebbles. I loved Applejacks. I liked I liked getting them a little bit soggy in the milk. Not like totally soggy, but just a little bit softer. That was I had a lot of cereal growing up, so. Applejacks were one of the best. Fruit loops are boring. Alright. Well, that's a little harsh. They're fruity goodness, but uh, like I said, I would prefer fruity pebbles. If I'm gonna eat a fruity cereal, I'll take the pebbles over the loops. Yeah, but you can't but let the pe- just me. can't let the pebbles get soggy. You gotta eat those things fast. You gotta eat those fast, that is true. I like uh, Rice Krispie treats with fruity pebbles instead. Ooh, Ooh or like mixed in there. Ooh, that's good. nice. My friend's mom used to make those a lot. Yeah, those are good. Alright, that's enough cereal talk. That's probably enough talk in general for us this week. I uh, hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and uh, also leave us a rating and a an review if that is an option where you do happen to listen to podcasts. Uh, please recommend us to your friends and family. Help us get uh, some more listeners and uh, follow us on Twitter. I run the Over the Monster account at Over the Monster. Brian is at Brian Joyner. Brian with a Y, Joiner with an I. And you can find all of our writing at OverTheMonster.com. And we'll be back with you next week.